Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune, June the 17th, 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to start out the show a little bit differently this time. I'm going to read a dream that was sent to me. This dream took place on June the 9th. I'm, of course, not going to divulge any names. There's no reason to do so. However, uh, there is a name that comes up in it. It just happens to be my own. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I you've heard me say this many times, that the fight-or-flight response That is responsible for how the theological academic community has been able to dupe you into believing things that are nowhere even remotely close to being in the Bible, God's holy word. God stumbles over himself Repeating and repeating and repeating that he's going to gather together. That you are never going to ascend to heaven. Even though you all know the scripture clearly states that the desire to do so is not good at all. Consider this, ladies and gentlemen. Please do consider. There is no third return of Christ. It is entertainment alone that has you thinking that Christ is going to come back Partially a second time, and then return a third time. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Lord your God that says he himself is up for multiple terrestrial incursions. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ is not coming back two more times. God, the Father, is going to do so. You get this with So many scriptures. It's redundant for me to say this. He even tells you what his point of impact is going to be. Mount Paran. He tells you what's going to happen when he does come back. That's why I have since the inception of this global ministry dubbed this event the Tribulation Trigger. 
please try to understand that what is written in the book of Revelation about the sixth seal event is nothing more than a commentary on Isaiah 24. Don't you realize that the academic planning that had to go into this grand deception? That's why I'm going to read this uh, very personal dream. Like I said, it does mention one name. That is my own. I will read it as it was sent to me. My dream, 6-9-17. I had a dream this morning that really shook me up. In it, my daughter told me she was getting married the next day. For some reason, we were all there, and Matthew offered to perform the wedding. He said it was good she was getting married because the time was very short and we had only a year left before it would be too late to have any oil and she would have been like a pig. Now, in parentheses for explanation, she put unclean question mark. If she had not repented in time, Again, more parentheses for explanation. She is currently living with her boyfriend, and I'm worried about this. Continuing on. So at the wedding, there was a utility truck in front of the building next to a gas main pipe that had to be moved. My husband tried to move it, but got caught on the pipe, and it burst gas flowing out all over and drenched us all before it exploded. No flames touched us. We were still wet with gas, but it was like water on us. And then God said the enemy is going to try to destroy you, but nothing that comes against you will harm you. Then he told me where to flee. Just before a flood came, and then we were taken from the rising waters to a safe place. With the dream, an interpretation was given by a third party. If you would like to obtain the rest of the discussion that happened there, you're going to have to find it on the social networking site Facebook. You're going to have to look for people that were, were friends of me on Facebook and get to this private page they have because it is quite private. It's been set up for the Prophetico, and even I cannot get to it because I have left Facebook, so I have no idea what's going on over there. Ladies and gentlemen, I strongly suggest that you get ready for what is to come. And I hope that I've mentioned enough so that you would at least question the theological academic community. They are planning on entertaining you to death. However, we, your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, 
and Matthew Miller, as far as we are concerned, we will serve the Lord. How about you? What are you going to do? The Lord your God has promised you that the end would come like a flood. Are you prepared to sink, swim, or tread water? That's the question. For tonight, I strongly suggest that you get your trays into the upright position and buckle your seatbelts. Have I just shocked all of you? Did you not even know who is going to perform a terrestrial incursion next? You had been duped into believing that it was Christ? When all the prophets speak of the Lord our God, the Father, doing this event in multiple chapters, it is redundant for me to even mention their names. I've got another question for you. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. Let's get everybody in the saddle and see how they've been doing this week. Clinton, how have you been this week, and uh, what you've been keeping your eye on? You know, this uh, this week has been uh, kind of a whirlwind. Um, I, I do have to say my head is kind of spinning with all the stuff happening and all the information coming out. I mean, uh, everything that happened on Donald Trump's birthday is, you know, kind of puts you beside yourself. Um, and then you find other weird reports. I mean, there's a 4.5 earthquake that happened in Yellowstone. And there's even the mainstream media talking about how our son had a twin um, that may have led to the extinction of the dinosaurs, which is crazy as well. So, I mean, there's just so much information coming out, so many different things to look at that uh, it's absolutely fascinating and, and kind of exciting, but kind of crazy as well. Yes, kind of psychotic, I would uh, call it. Um, yeah, they they keep going down this road, you know, Clinton, in mainstream news sources. Uh, NASA keep telling us of this celestial scapegoat. Um, and it's beginning to bother me. Uh, we're going somewhere, that's for sure. And I doubt it's very pleasant, but I guess everybody already knows that subconsciously. Brian, how have you been doing this week? And what have you been looking at? I've not uh, been able to talk to you due to uh, work situation here for the past week. Uh, so what's been going on, buddy? What what have you been looking at this week? Uh, what have I been looking at this week? I'd say a whole lot. A whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, I find it interesting that the first things that you had brought up there, Clinton, were uh, the amount of, how would we put this, chaos in the Western narrative. Um you know, it's, I think this has been one of those weeks of looking at every single angle of a story, getting a story from people on the ground in the actual locations, looking at the investigations of other nations, and comparing that to the Western narrative. And you tend to start finding out that when you look at all those pieces, you start ending up with a whole different um, doublespeak sort of reality. Uh, that little, uh, I like how you brought up that little piece there with a second binary star because yeah at some point we're going to have to address that whole um interesting tidbit they brought up now uh donald trump's birthday i had no idea i personally have sporadically been keeping an eye on the uh circus sideshow here in the united states because it just still seems to be one distraction after another but yet i did notice a few Interesting little odds and ends brought up by various news commentators concerning the current um, Red Scare here in America. Because the whole picture, when you actually sit back and begin to look at it through a different lens, this whole thing really starts to make sense, especially considering you've had American troops of a very high number in Romania that are sent, have been sent out there to be towards the border of Russia. And there's no expiration date as to when they're going home. And then all of a sudden we get the double sanctions on Russia and Iran this week. So as much as they want to keep everybody spinning in these uh, in this whole Red Scare 
what would you call that? I guess delusion, uh, psychosis. You begin to realize that, well, I kind of pointed this out several weeks ago. There's a lot more going on with this. And look, folks, they're getting ready to make one swift move against all kinds of different places here in the U.S. And, you know, just to illustrate this fast before I put the mute button on, we had this interesting story that broke here in the middle of the week, and I had caught it right when it happened. I went to go check my newsfeed program, and all of a sudden I caught wind of some kind of strange shooting here with these Republicans. And, you know, the first question obviously somebody is going to have, well, who is this person they're talking about that got shot? Well, yeah, he was a rather is a rather interesting person, but here's what I'm getting at as far as a narrative suddenly shifting. Because as I was watching the news reports, I first pulled it up on, um, on my computer, actually pulled it to the live CNN feed, and they were talking and basically going on and saying, well, you know, we don't know who the suspect is. We have to pull, we're going to have to basically pull security footage from all the stuff around here with all these cameras. We're going to have to go door to door and start, you know, collecting the security footage from people's personal security systems or their homes, etc., but then I flip it over to ABC because they keep spinning in circles and I'm seeing other reports are coming out about it. So I flipped it over to a web feed of the live ABC uh, news. And it gets even more interesting because lo and behold, a witness comes forward that they're interviewing. And let me rephrase what he stated. The man was a bit of a uh, broader built, more or less muscular, blonde hair, and he was using an AK-47. So I'm thinking, okay, this is peculiar. But then lo and behold, all of a sudden within the next hour, hour and a half, an entire different story emerges. And when you see something like this unfold on the news with your own eyes, you're back to what I'm stating before. You really begin to have to question what in the world is going on here? Because that just prime example of the narrative not aligning with the first witness testimonies that came out. It was two totally different things. And it has me scratching my head, but then again, I'm kind of starting to get that way as a whole. But I guess at the same time, when we look at it through biblical prophecy and we look at the whole picture, it does start to make sense. So that's enough with what I've got to say. Handing it back over to you guys. Well, Brian, you know, I'm glad you warned everybody to keep your eye on Ukraine because, uh, you, you know, we – look, ladies and gentlemen, we go to try to deal – you know, do a deal in, in Ukraine, and it is amazing to me that it comes out everywhere – and and look, this is this is from Reuters, okay? This is what was stated about the Ukrainian agreement. US doesn't want to be handcuffed to Ukrainian agreement. L ladies and gentlemen, you know, our represent our representative comes out this uh this Tillerson and just makes it so overtly obvious that that's why we're sanctioning Russia. It's, I don't think foul is the right 
word for it. It's just, ladies and gentlemen, something has to be done. I mean, I just told you, I think it was last week, that now our special forces are in the Philippines. You know, Brian told us to watch Ukraine. It was going to be... it. Brian told us the history, and, you know, God was gracious enough to pin for us the book of Ecclesiastes. He makes himself quite clear that the wise virgins would know that eschatology is actually isochronal. He told us that multiple times, that no... History repeats. He does that for his children so they will know what is to come through the usage of shadows and silhouettes. I'm going to apologize for last week. I was uh, rather disrespectful to Clinton. Uh, He took the uh, seat second, and I forgot to uh, – he was going to continue with his uh, news diatribe after. So to ensure that does not happen again and to make sure that Brian holds the maximum amount of time, uh, we'll have Clinton go first. I will go second, so if anybody has forgotten about it, it will be me after the break. We will be uh, continuing on uh, with – The break uh, tonight will be the next two chapters, the second portion of the Parallel Apocalypse. I suggest you get to know that text because it exclusively tells you exactly what is to come, ladies and gentlemen. So, Clinton, uh, with no more further ado, please get on here. Uh, You've got the first shot in the saddle, bud. Yeah, no problem, Matthew, as well. You were definitely not disrespectful. Thank you for letting me go first. I appreciate it. Um, I, I guess the the biggest thing to start off with is the, the big elephant in the room. Um, all the events that happened on Donald Trump's 71st birthday, um, which is ironic and kind of crazy that it happened on his birthday as well. We have the massive shooting at the softball practice where a congressman from Louisiana was shot in the hip. Um, has had numerous surgeries and is still in critical condition. Um, we also have, at, on that same day, um, an attack in San Francisco at a UPS facility where uh, three or four people were shot and killed there as well. Um, there was a shooting at the Barclay Center in New York. Um, and then the massive fire in London where uh, the apartment complex was set on fire and, and there's still counting the people that died in that fire. Um, I mean, your heart goes out to people when you hear stories of of a mother in that apartment complex that felt that she had no other choice but to throw her toddler out of a 10-story window, hoping that something good would happen. And then to find out that the toddler was caught on the ground that was saved from dropping 10 stories is absolutely amazing. So even when we have these horrible events happen, we, we see goodness that, that happens from it as well. And, and the crazy thing is it, it all happened on Donald Trump's birthday, the, the same day that he was uh, told that he's being investigated criminally 
um, for obstruction of justice. Um, the reason that is a big deal, uh, that it's a criminal investigation, um, is the sheer fact that uh, when Nixon was in trouble for Watergate, he tried to lay out executive privilege, that since he is president of the United States, he doesn't necessarily have to talk about it, let alone be held for any kind of uh, repercussions for his actions. And they determined at that time, they set precedent, uh, that if it's a criminal proceeding, that you don't have that executive authority. So the fact that they're investigating Donald Trump criminally um, means that this is going very, very crazy. Uh, we, we have uh, Mike Pence has got an attorney now. Um, I, it seems like all the way down the administration, they're all getting lawyered up for some kind of crazy event. Well, that happened on Donald Trump's birthday. Um, the next thing that happened on his birthday was the Fed increased interest rates as well. No one really talked about it. You know, back in December when they did the last time, everyone talked about it. This time, not really much. And we know that when they raise interest rates, it's going to make it to where it's more expensive for people to borrow money, make it more expensive for banks to borrow money, which is going to cause a downturn in the economy, which you've already seen since December. And that happened on Donald Trump's birthday. So it, it just makes things really kind of eerie. And then you throw in the fact that on January 20th, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, and seven days old. I'm not saying there's any kind of association. I just think that numbers are very interesting, especially when you have the number seven tied into what's going on with all these other events. So, you know, when we, when we look at these shootings that are happening and we look at this destruction that is happening, I mean, we, we're having riots all over the UK. We're having the state of Illinois is on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, the entire state, their, their economic growth over the last year is worse than it was during the Great Depression. So when you have economic crisis to that level, when you have problems to that level, when you have distress, it's going to make people go a little crazy and, and it's going to make societies start to slowly break down. And that is what we're witnessing. I mean, we, we knew that as the time drew near that deception would be all over the place, that it would be very difficult to find what the truth is. And I mean, anyone is trying to read the news. There, there's thousands of news sources. There's many, many places to go. And every story is different. I mean, even just the narrative. When you, you look at uh, the, the fact that James Coney testified under oath one direction, and then the president of the United States says he is willing to testify under oath the opposite direction. Who are we supposed to believe? Who as a society are we supposed to believe? And that is why this is so difficult. That's why this is such a, a crazy time in history, because the deception is so outrageous, so crazy. Now, I wanted to touch on Qatar a little bit. Now, the, the heat's kind of gone off a little bit, but there's, there's still some weirdness that, that's going on. I mean, you know, Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates, um, 
they're, they're good friends of the United States. And we know this because, well, the first you know, foreign uh, trip that Donald Trump made was straight to Saudi Arabia. They have cut off uh, Qatar from the external world. But then why is the United States doing Navy drills with the, the country of Qatar? Why did the United States just sell the country of Qatar fighter jets? If we are backing Saudi Arabia and we don't like Qatar, then why are we doing this? Well, you kind of have to look between the lines. As soon as everything was put together on, in Qatar, where the, the, the country is basically blocked off, you have a large portion of the population that has um, uh, suffered from the, the repercussions from that. But in the same token, you have the countries like Israel or Jordan or um, you know Saudi Arabia is doing the same, talking about the removal of Al Jazeera News Network. Now Al Jazeera is owned by Qatar, and the the interesting thing is is that is very very important considering the fact that that is going to be the major news source coming out of the Middle East, and so if you can control the narrative, if you can control the media coverage coming out of the Middle East, then you can control what is being said and what people think. So if you can control what people think, well, then the story can never change. As we look in Syria, we have Russia saying one thing, Syria saying another, Iran saying one thing, the United States saying another. We don't know who is saying the truth, who's back and who. Who is on each other's side? And if you remove another news network, then you see kind of the bigger plan. I mean, if you take out Al Jazeera, you know Fox News is under attack, you should say. I mean, they're, they're losing uh, you know, their announcers and their turnover is drastic. We have even ESPN is laying off people. We have CNN that's being caused, you know, called fake news. We have all of this media coverage that is going crazy right now. And it seems like that it's, a, it's an attack against the truth. Now, this tactic has been used in the past, and it is going to continue to be used, unfortunately. I mean, if you look just, just the parallels, history repeats itself, just the parallels. If you are going to indoctrinate a country or you are going to control the, the way a country learns or thinks, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to control the schools. You're going to indoctrinate your children and, and teach them a certain way. The second is you're going to control the media. And that is, in essence, what is kind of happening with this destruction of the, the news networks and the loss of, of truth that's coming out from everything. So I think it's going to be very important to kind of see what happens with this Al Jazeera and what happens with the news networks. And, and it's, it kind of leads to another topic, which is very, very interesting. I was watching um, Rachel Maddow and I normally don't really mention anyone, but um, this, this news story was just outrageous. And, and it was almost to the point that I, I couldn't even really believe it. It, it was, it was just ridiculous. But basically, the line was connected with the United Arab Emirates, who was able to make uh, a secret meeting through Blackwater between the United States, 
or the Trump administration and the Putin administration before the inauguration. And the addition is that this second in charge from the United Arab Emirates who set up this agreement also made an unannounced trip to New York and met with three Trump officials. And those three officials were Steve Bannon, Matt Flynn, and Jared Kushner. Three people that are kind of being looked at as maybe being tied to Russia. So if these connections are true and what they're doing with the the investigations with the Trump administration, we may have something completely unprecedented happening within the United States. Either way, you're going to have half the population believe what's going on and half the population not believing what's going on. So then, then we're all stuck in a situation of who do we believe? Who do we, who do we follow? Who do we know? Well, we, we don't really have a clue, but we know that Donald Trump is a man of his word, and, and that's a good thing and, I guess, a bad thing as well, because when you look at when he's talking on the, the campaign trail and he's talking about things he's going to do, and then he does it, 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 it makes it kind of interesting. I mean, we look at just the, the, the news that came out on Cuba, where basically the travel is being restricted, that uh, everything's going back to before the Obama administration stepped in place. Why? We, we have a, a country that we finally are starting to create relationships with, to allow travel for U.S. citizens to go there. What, why is the timing? What's, what's so important? What's so big about this? It, it doesn't necessarily make sense in any way whatsoever. But he did it, and he said he was going to do it on the campaign trail. Well, one thing he said on the campaign trail that he's been pushing and pushing and pushing is this deportation of uh, the immigrants. And that's just a very scary topic, um, especially when you think of actually implementing a process like that. And we have reports that, are, that have come out Politico uh, to where there was this ICE basically came out um, and found multiple people that they were looking to deport back to Iraq. And unfortunately, these people were Christians. So they were looking to be deported back to Iraq, back to a country that is under turmoil, back to a place where Christians are being persecuted. Some of these people never really you know, spoke Arabic. I mean, they, they really didn't really live over there that long or they haven't been there for a long time. And, and it was designed to mostly keep it towards, you know, like the, the violent criminals, you know, that, that did like rape or homicide or kidnapping or, or everything. But instead, like lower level offenses were being thrown in the system as well. Now, some of these people that did do their, their crimes, they, they did pay for those crimes. They did go to prison or they did go to jail or whatever, whatever the crime was, they, they did. But they're still being deported out of this country. And this is just the, the low-lying fruit. Um, you know, I mean, Donald Trump is a man of his word. He said that he's going to deport all illegal immigrants, which means that we're going to have a massive issue on our hands. And how does that deportation work along with this investigation that's going on? 
I mean, does he continue going on in the investigation? Does he continue on with this deportation process? Does does he plan on moving forward, or does he plan on just kind of laying back and and pulling away from what he's talked about? So far, he hasn't done that on anything. And we know that that's headed that way. I mean, the, the last little thing I just wanted to, to talk with you guys about before I'll hand it back to Matthew is, we, we've talked about universal income and how there's numerous countries that are talking about doing it or trying to do it. I mean, Finland, Germany, India, China, or not China, Canada, uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden um, have all put in either test subjects or they've tried to work on uh, putting together a universal income. Well, now the state of Hawaii uh, just passed uh, a referendum to actually make it to where every uh, family is entitled to basic financial income and to figure out a way how to do that. So we actually have a first state that's actually talking about making sure every person has a guaranteed income on top of what they make so that way they can provide for themselves. That way they can pay for their bills. That way they can have a house because the costs are getting too high for everyone. That, that people can't live they can't produce anything they can't grow i mean there's a study that came out that said that in every single state within the united states if someone works for minimum wage they cannot pay for or rent a two-bedroom apartment all 50 states there's no way you can do it and the the study even came out and said uh, that the average you would have to make 21 dollars an hour to be able to afford renting a two-bedroom apartment. But you have states like Wyoming that has the minimum wage at $5.15. So you would have to work you know, 100-hour weeks to be able to have a two-bedroom apartment. So this universal income is going to continue being pushed, and it, and it makes sense. But the only drawback is you increase the money supply in the system, and the value of that money goes down which means costs go up. So it's a double-edged sword. It's necessary to be done at this point, but it's also going to cause problems down the road. So, I mean, it's something we got to watch and something we got to pay attention to. So I hope we got started, Matthew. I'll hand it back over to you and get your thoughts on some things. Well, definitely, definitely with everything he was talking about economically there, I was going to cover that uh, article myself about <clears throat> because everybody's heard Brian and I say this before because I've did the research this article if you continue to read it it makes mention to $15 $15 just because ladies and gentlemen your government plan to do this you need to understand what they're inferring and when you go over to the government websites to determine of course what <laughs> the poverty level is you quickly begin to realize that this is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. Spouses must work. Those two combined numbers, 725 plus 725, that's the poverty level. Successfully make the mother work they have guaranteed success of shattering 
that which always gave us strength, the family. So please do your research because I did this like uh, – I think me and Brian talked about this, I would say at least four years ago, that you just go over there and with a calculator and run the numbers, and actually the poverty level minimum wage should be 1450 That's what they basically said in this article if you read it. <clears throat> But I'm not going to spend too much time talking about that kind of stuff. I do want to mention this, that it's the economy that's got people really up in arms because – well, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have too much hope if you graduate high school. I just talked with a 16-year-old this week. And he flat out told me that with his own mouth, he had already figured this out. He was only 16 years old. He figured out, well, I've only got two choices, either go to college. And my sister graduated from a university three years ago, and she still can't find a job, or I can join the Army. So I'm planning on joining the military. Ladies and gentlemen, people are beginning to get tired of it. Let's, not just that. Let's let's talk about what just came out today. This happened today. Philando Castile shooting. 18 arrested in protest over Minnesota officers' acquittal. People are tired of it. Ladies and gentlemen, you should be tired of it. Especially this year, we've had multiple cases where people got it on their their cell phones, recorded officers not even saying stop or I'll shoot, and just point blank filling people with bullets. Well, the people of St. Paul are tired of it because – well, this of course happened. They had a traffic stop and – you know, he was murdered, point-blank range by the cop, as he was going, uh, and he told the officer, I'm getting my license and registration, or my registration, of course, out of the glove box, and he just, just killed him. But uh, this is how people are tired of it. Philando Castile was our lunch man. One child told CBS Minnesota. Another admitted, I never got to meet him. The protesters chanted, no justice, no peace. Prosecute the police. One protester used a loudspeaker to say, they just told me my homeboy died for nothing. The demonstrators eventually left the Capitol and began marching through the streets with hundreds splintering off and blocking the freeway for two hours. You see, that's what finally got this into the news because these 18 people got arrested because they were blocking the interstate, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what would make these adults do this? Let me read just a little bit and you'll see that it was these school children crying out Oh, for God's sakes. 
Their lunch man got murdered, for God's sakes. West Colony of Minneapolis told CBS Minnesota, and you'll take note they keep repeating that to make sure you know this, you know, that's why this is getting into the news because it's the local affiliate of CBS. These are the local employees, and I'm sure they've already been reprimanded. West Colony of Minneapolis told CBS Minnesota that he hoped the verdict would be different and that he was forced to have a difficult conversation with his daughter. I had to explain to her today in the car ride home what this was all about and how do you do that to a five-year-old. I don't know how to do that, he said. Another demonstrator said, this was a case where we thought we would really get some justice. Turns out we can't. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm too emotional to keep on reading. But you better know this for certain. The only reason why these adults did this, locked up the interstate for two hours, is because the children began to cry out. An elementary school lunch man was murdered. All the evidence proves that. He was murdered, and even the children admitted it was for nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord your God has quite a lot of commentary that he has provided to you about when incidents like this begin to arise. As for me, I've spoken enough about that. What does everybody make of this? Largest tornado outbreak in northeast Wisconsin. The National Weather Service's offices in Green Bay and Milwaukee has revised the number of confirmed tornado in WBAY-TV's viewing area from 11 to 10. Still the largest tornado outbreak in northwest Wisconsin history, tying with the outbreak on April 10th, 2011. You know what amazes me, ladies and gentlemen? This is the first time this has ever been done in history. So you're going to tell me that all the citizens of Green Bay and Milwaukee, they didn't know how many tornadoes they saw? What a pathetic joke. So everything's normal, right? Now, I wish that was where the issue died. It doesn't. It doesn't. Once again, this is local. Cheyenne, Wyoming. Not national news. This is from Denver CBS Local. It, they, they, they won't, this is not permitted to be on national news. So, if you live, you know, in Panama City, Florida, you have no idea 
that this headline ever existed. Storm outbreak largest in 30 years for southeast Wyoming, western Nebraska. National Weather Service in Cheyenne says that Monday's outbreak of severe thunderstorms was one of the most significant in their area since at least the 1980s. Meteorologists received several reports of tornadoes, very large hail, and damaging winds during the late afternoon and early evening hours of June the 12th. One of the largest tornadoes touched down north of Carrington, 5.09 p.m., It stayed on the ground for nearly an hour and traveled 25 miles, lifting near the town of Harrison, Nebraska. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have repeatedly told you that I took meteorology in an institution of higher learning. You're lucky. If a tornado stays on the ground for six minutes, they're not supposed to stay on the ground for 60 minutes. Matter of fact, my geology professor particularly would have stood up and told you to sit down and shut up if you were to ever insinuate At that time, a tornado could be on the ground for an hour. How about this? How about, is there any such thing as hail up, oh, I don't know, 1,650 feet on mountains? Well, I guess there is now. And be careful that you realize not to damage the oil and the wine. Once again, a local newspaper. Freak hailstorm causes vine damage in some Napa Valley vineyards. Sunday's freak hailstorm caused extensive damage in vineyards on Atlas Peak and Pritchard Hill. At 1,650 feet on Atlas Peak... The hail, which was the size of a thumbnail, knocked blossoms off vine and covered the driveway at Dos Logos Vineyards. Many vineyards on Atlas Peak and Pritchard Hill and in Oakville apparently suffered extensive damage from Sunday's afternoon freak hailstorm. The hail knocked all the blossoms off the remaining vines and broke shoots said Thomas Dinkle, owner of Dos Logos Vineyards at, once again they say it, 1,650 feet on Atlas Peak. He estimated damages could be as much as one-third of his yield because his five-acre vineyard was two-thirds of the way through bloom. So... Ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's see what another vineyard owner said. Out of the whole vine, 50% of the berries look like they've had damaged, she said. Now, whether vines will push through and grow out, of that depends on the next couple of weeks' growth. 
Damage from the hail in the Oakville area, which is primarily planted to Cabaret Sauvignon, definitely has the potential to affect yields, Pedersen said. It's kind of Mother Nature's way of fruit thinning early in the season. What a gross understatement. Fruit thinning. If you caught everything I said, the question is, you would have to have understanding to actually realize what the article stated. You see, God sent the perfect size hail. It was the size of a thumbnail. The perfect size to knock those blossoms off. So ladies and gentlemen, are you sure everything all right? Are you sure everything's normal? Because the local news sources say something's terribly wrong. I get a kick out of this one. The end is da <clears throat> is nigh. Net citizens go wild over pics of apocalyptic cloud. Cloud formation resembling a gigantic wave has left spectators in Sweden, dumbfounded, so much so that some have even speculated that the end is nigh. Incredible photos of the cylindrical cloud were shared online by onlookers in the province of Skane. And their unease will not be lifted by news that the type of cloud has an equally dark and intimidating name, Volutus. Images taken on the beach in the south of Sweden even create the illusion of a giant wave crashing toward the shore. I strongly suggest you get a hold of this article, and it has Facebook links in here from comments that are obviously not in English, so I decided to translate some of those. I suggest you do the same for further enlightenment as to what it's talking about. I already talked about this a little bit. Brian warned us all to keep our eyes on Ukraine because he has did the archaeogenetical studies. He knows who is there. He's proven beyond any shadow of a doubt. What the Lord our God was trying to tell us, who was going to be there in the Bible, God's holy word. But this week there was an agreement, ladies and gentlemen. And the U.S. just kind of rejected this Minsk agreement. And of course, we turned right around and slapped sanctions on them. That's why Tillerson said that this is why Reuters put that into the headline. U.S. doesn't want to be handcuffed. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what is the common phraseology for when sanctions are implemented. It is phrased slapped sanctions on them. That's in reference to handcuffs, ladies and gentlemen. Look it up. 
for Pete's sakes. But Vladimir Putin, this was uh, released in The Independent, that Vla Vladimir Putin refers to territories now called Ukraine in ominous comments during annual phone-in. This article will absolutely blow you away because basically uh, Mr. Putin – well, he makes several strange comments here, ladies and gentlemen. He overtly lets you know that we're tired of this, and we're not going to let this continue, especially when he says things like this. He went on to say how much he values the views of the Ukrainians who remember the common history uniting Russia and Ukraine. We grasp it, and we value it highly. Believe me. I've watched several interviews of Vladimir Putin. It bothers me that he ended with that phrase. Believe me. Ladies and gentlemen, Vladimir Putin is not a very good politician. You know, one time <clears throat> Brian sent me this interview that I just – I loved it because Vladimir Putin walked into a uh, factory, was live, recorded. Um, the problem was that the uh, rich people who owned the factory, they were in you know, disputes over paying the – Employees enough money, whatever. And Vladimir Putin was just really pointed. He said, you better be open up tomorrow because you're not allowed to put a stranglehold on we Russians. The factory opens tomorrow, and I just got a kick out of the entire interview. And even his attire he was wearing, and he was sitting in a chair with well, no secret service around him. He just came in there, sat down, said, this is what you are going to do. You are not allowed to hold the Russian people hostage. You're not allowed to disrupt the economy. You're not allowed to rip them off. You're not allowed to do – you're going to open tomorrow. So in that interview, and I think I watched it four times. Of course, I couldn't understand a word he was saying because the last two times I just muted it, and I just watched him. I assure you. Vladimir Putin is no, no actor for the entertainment industry. When he says something, he's not being political. That's actually his take on things. That's actually what he's going to – I mean don't you remember the big fire that was occurring, and they had pictures of him actually flying one of the airplanes that was dumping water on the fires? And he actually had his sleeves rolled up? You don't remember that? Oh, he's no politician, but I'll tell you what he is. He's a Russian. And I give honor where honor is due. It's too bad that we don't have any politicians in this country that are actually Americans, because we don't. They routinely and repeatedly pass anti-American laws. Oh my goodness. I have stated this multiple times publicly, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fact of the matter. 
If we ever do something to correct the problems in this country, the first thing that needs to be done before the senators – no, 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 no. Forget the senators and politicians. We need to get the FDA first because literally, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the FDA knows that uh, we're being poisoned with our own food. Don't you realize that many of the foods that you're allowed to sell here in the United States are not permitted to be sold in many countries in Europe because of cancer? They're, yeah, that's poison. Something else that is quoted here in this article. If it wasn't for Crimea, other problems, they would have invented something else to deter Russia, he said. You know who he means by his wordage there of they would have invented something else, right? You know, consider this, speaking of the children. During the tightly choreographed marathon TV appearance – oh, I love have that phraseology – Mr. Putin gave rare glimpses into his private life, saying he has two grandchildren whose privacy he wants to respect, and even spoke to a man whose wife had given birth moments ago. Everything he put together and what he gave in that article, he was letting you know his intentions. Ladies and gentlemen, I do hope that you enjoy the break tonight. I'm sorry I stretched it a little bit longer, but, well, I'm not perfect. Christ the King, he is perfect. That's why he is the Savior. It was not an act of rebellion that I went too long. But I do need to remind you of at least this. Please take note of this second portion of the Parallel Apocalypse, this 12-chapter book inside of what you know to be Isaiah. I'm not going to give you all the references, but I'm going to at least give you those basically for Isaiah chapter 28. It is quoted in uh, verse 11 and 12 is quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 21. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, that's quoted in Romans 9.33, Romans 10.11, Acts chapter 4, verse 11, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to listen to this, and you need to believe it, and go beyond your belief and start knowing it. This is what is to come. This is why it is to come. And please take note. Those verses are references for a reason. Take note. The Lord your God is going to establish a stone in Zion. He tells you all about it. Revelation chapter 14. There's so many cross-references in Isaiah chapter 29. You need to know this. 
If you don't take the time this week and look up those Croft references so you can see what God has plainly penned for you, you should be worried. Because even though your lamp feels heavy in your hand, it's not because there's oil in it. Chapter 28 Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet, and the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower, and as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth, while it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people, and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine, and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Then that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste, Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. For the bed is shorter than that a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than that he can wrap himself in it. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perazim, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now therefore be ye not mockers, 
lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption, even determined upon the whole earth. Give ye ear, and hear my voice, hearken, and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches, and scatter the common, and cast in the principal wheat, and the appointed barley, and the rye in their place? For his God doth instruct him to discretion, and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, neither is a cartwheel turned about upon the cumin. But the fitches are beaten out with a staff, and the cumin with a rod. Bread corn is bruised, because he will not ever be threshing it, nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Chapter 29 Woe to Ariel, to Ariel, the city where David dwelt. Add ye year to year, let them kill sacrifices. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be unto me as Ariel. And I will camp against thee round about, and will lay siege against thee with a mount, and I will raise forts against thee. And thou shalt be brought down, and shalt speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be low out of the dust, and thy voice shall be, as of one that hath a familiar spirit, out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of thy strangers shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the terrible ones shall be as chaff that passeth away, yea, it shall be at an instant suddenly. Thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder, and with earthquake, and great noise, with storm and tempest, and the flame of devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, even all that fight against her, and her munition, and that distress her, shall be as a dream of a night vision. It shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth, and behold, he eateth, but he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Stay yourselves, and wonder. Cry ye out, and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. And the vision of all is become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men, therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. And their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, He made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, 
he had no understanding? Is it not yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the terrible one is brought to naught, and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off, that make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore, thus saith the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob. Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands, in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It's June the 17th, 2017. I'll give you some comments on that. Uh, I hope that everybody was happy to listen to those two simple, very chapters. Um, I'm going to tell you about one verse. Um, I've told this story before, I think, so I'm sorry those of you who have been listening over the past years, but... I was a member at a certain church, and of course, uh, the different Sunday school classes would argue over me, so I would rotate. I would have one week, I would uh, teach the adults, the next week I would teach the young adults, the next week I would teach the teenagers, and so forth and so on. And I was teaching this uh, to the elementary school children, and I'll never forget uh, this little poor, very poor, blonde-headed little girl named Chrissy. My goodness, she must be married by now. I'll never forget questioning them, and, and I and I ask everybody, well, what does verse 20 mean? And Chrissy was so excited, her eyes just lit up, and she stuck her arm up as high as she could, and she got on her knees and, you know... <laughs> stood up on her knees on her chair because she knew she wasn't allowed to stand up. So she, oh, 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 I know, I know, I know. And I was so excited for her because, well, you wouldn't exactly, how do I say that? Um, she wasn't very smart, but the Lord was obviously with her, so I was very happy that, that she knew what the answer to that question was. And I said, well, Chrissy, what kind of bed do you think that an adult couldn't lie in? And she said, <laughs> she said, well, Matthew, that's a baby's bed. He's talking about a baby's bed. Good stuff. Good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to the Bry. Just so you all know, uh, I had a question about that uh, sometime this week. I wasn't able to get to my emails until uh, today. Uh, yes, 
that is in reference to the Hebrew word that is prima- uh, pronounced in our tongue, Bri. Bri. That's why I call Brian the Bri. You need to look that up and how that could possibly be a reference to the relationship between he and I. It's important that you uh, know that. But uh, Brian, let's jump in the saddle here. Sorry, I was kind of long-winded there. Um, please excuse me. I know we give you more time than this usually. Uh, but I know you've got a lot of important stuff uh, to cover just, just from the messages that I got when I opened Skype right before the show. I think you had 70 messages, and I was trying to go through them before the show the best that I could. But obviously a lot of what you're going to share tonight is going to be new to me as well. So, Brian, with no further ado, uh, please take the lead. All right. Well, uh, it's just the uh, – it's sort of the whole thing is uh, how is it we start here? I mean, as you guys have gone through and pointed out, we've definitely got some – Rather peculiar items happening, well, at least here in, if we just pay attention to Western news, they're going to keep us completely and absolutely spinning in circles here. I mean, you know, we we can touch a little bit on, you know, some of this fiasco that's going on with the current administration, but then we can actually scope out and ask the big question. You know, we had, uh, the whole Comey interview was an absolute joke. I mean, let's not mince words. Um, he contradicted himself by the other statement. Therefore, his entire testimony was null and void. Sorry, that's the way it works, folks. So did he bring any new information to the table over the course of these testimonies? No. Everything already said has been floating around out there. And as they typically are doing to everybody, everybody's walking away confused. But as we proceeded on throughout the week, you know, some nice little key details have come to the plate Everybody, I've warned about good old Manafort's dealings there with Ukraine, and it ain't what you think it is. And how do we have proof of that? Sanctions on Iran and Russia went hand in hand. As I stated before, they have troops stationed on the border in Romania. So, you know, we get little tidbits here that are starting to maybe makes sense when you scope out and look at this in other terms. You know, the other infamous one here, we've got Flynn. You know, and everybody is, uh, you know, sort of running around, and they just, Russia, you know, the good old Red Scare. But everybody somehow ignores the uh, Turkey situation, not to even mention that all of them have been caught in money laundering out in Cyprus with their business deals. But, of course, they overlook that. They want treason so badly that everybody just can't see beyond that as far as on one side of the fence. On the other side of the fence, it's still the atypical he can do no wrong, and it gets old after a while. But I think that's pretty much irrelevant. As one of the commentators had brought up earlier in this week, they kind of pointed out the little trail that everybody should have paid attention to in the first place. They bring up Manafort. They bring up this other guy that was tied in with them. They bring up Roger Stone. Okay, these reporters are starting to get on the proper trail. And this is no joke. They're starting to put the pieces here together as to what they're supposed to see. Last week, um, with Jeremy Calhoun's news source, The Intercept, well, there was an attempted 
Well, it was an attempted burn, the intercept. I don't know how else to put this, and I'm glad that Jeremy had addressed this this week in his podcast. Now, as the narrative goes, there was data that was leaked from a uh, NSA source that got into their hands, you know, et cetera, on down the line. So, therefore, you know, a mass majority of the people that are fighting to bring forth the truth in the news, well, they all immediately jumped on the train and said that they were sellouts and they purposely had gotten this uh, whistleblower busted. And Jeremy goes through and he nicely brings the truth forward, and he states in there on top of it emphatically, folks, if you think we're looking at this as being just nothing more than collusion with Russia, you've got another thing coming, because that's not reality. Nor do we have any contact with this person that would even allude to us uh, setting something up to leak to get her busted. So let's play this out with some common sense here. What did they do? They dropped a leaked document that was completely and absolutely irrelevant because it proved nothing. What it was is it showed that there was a phishing attack, which any three-year-old with a cell phone could pull off. You know, maybe you know, seven-year-old. Let's go that much further. It did not show any form of any kind of hack that would even be of any value. And so, of course, the narrative got more entertaining because they claim, oh, the uh, hacking is so much more intensive. But nonetheless, this whole scenario just with the intercept alone, okay, first off, this whistleblower was set up. I, I don't know how else to say it because the data that she leaked was useless. So it was full well apparent it was a trap. And to take intercept down, you see, because the week previous, they actually did get documentation from inside the Philippines about a very important conversation between that leader and Trump. And we've sort of begun to learn in this day and age that when people start reporting the truth here in the United States, well, they're going to be branded as a lot of things. We've got our new terminology of fake news or conspiracy theorist and so on and so forth. You see, they have a way to keep backing everybody into a corner. So anybody that speaks out, especially when somebody brings forward information that was that explosive, that gave information that the entire American population has the right to know, of course they were going to shut them down. These are the facts of the matter, folks, and you can go in and go to The Intercept and download the latest podcast and have a listen for yourselves. Now, what is exactly going on here is we look at some of these little details, though, because, everybody, you need to remember something. Okay, the Trump, his entire empire has been built off of, well, uh, he, we know that he's one of the richest people. Okay, we know he's had real estate doings and all that. We look at Manafort. We have another article that came out this week that he's still wheeling and dealing with all these various places throughout the world. Okay, think back on top of it, too, when we had this whole incident breakout with the Gulf nations. Well, once again, we have business interests here. So, of course, the perfect guy to walk in and say, hey, everybody, let's sit down on the table. We're going to arm you to the teeth. He already had all that stuff set in motion due to the fact that he had multiple business all throughout everywhere. Kushner has been working inside of China. This just keeps going. Okay, folks, this is nothing new. 
Not at all. This kind of thing has actually been going on for a very long time within people that have been voted into administrative positions within the government where they are putting in their own interests in varied places throughout the world. To bring more perspective into this, we had an incident that happened here in Russia this week, and it's rather ironic when you step back and think about it in terms of what I just said as far as a real estate mogul. Now, in Russia this week, they basically had put into effect a bill so that they could pretty much start moving everybody out of the primary areas surrounding Moscow so they could come in and rebuild all the buildings so it didn't turn into a ghetto. Inadvertently, I can understand the thought form behind why the administration in Russia made this decision. Because you can see as they go through with the film footage, which I caught on... Um, uh, what in the world, Vice, uh, the HBO program that does the news reporting, that is, yeah, it's, for the most part, it's fairly decent. But they were on the ground, you know, they're showing the entire thing that's going on here. With it showing these buildings, but of course people are also going to be protesting because when you have all these people living in these places, they, you know, have paid either as like it's a condominium here in the United States, that sort of thing, they've bought those apartments, of course there's going to be backlash. But one of the key critical elements was looking at how this peaceful protest was set because they already have in place an icon, a person that is dressed very peculiar and has this whole liberty type thing about it. And folks, when you see that, you need to recognize that these are basically, you can call this a color revolution. That's the terminology that was basically used. This was penned up by a person within the administration in the United States. They had planned this out some time back, and they've been implementing it, implementing it all over the world. And where they got the idea was from the coup, which I believe was in 1953 in Iran, which ousted the leader that wanted to start getting control of their own oil fields as opposed to Western interests taking everything and then going around and building baseball fields and Garbage like that and thinking somehow they were making reparations for that. The entire color revolution concept is based off of what I believe it was Roosevelt's son or grandson had instituted there with the CIA to remove this Western, uh, this leader that stepped out of line with the West. So this is where your concept comes from of how they've done these coups where they come in and they have this peaceful revolution starts up. And then you have the counter-revolution that starts up, and what does this do? Well, we have also people in the Pentagon that have been training people in what they call the chaos scenario. Because the chaos scenario puts it in the perfect spot where they've got absolute control. You go into a spot, you overturn things, chaos breaks out. What does this do? Economies collapse, war breaks out, <laughs> We're looking at billions at this stage. I mean, I don't really think that I'm, like, understating this. Of civilians that have been killed within these Western-backed uh, wars all over the world at this point. But why are all these guys involved in business dealings going into what, you know, we've assumed to be enemy groups? As I pointed out, the nice little key tidbit that was in the background in that Vice News story from this week about what was happening in Russia, they were showing 
um, one of the meetings here because you can watch some of these on C-SPAN and C-SPAN 2. I actually caught a couple of them this week that were quite eye-opening with Tillerson. But in this little clip in Vice, they have up there this little thing where it's the Atlantic Commission. And then you, it's very hard to read, and then you get to a spot for Central Asia. But here's the title of it, The Russian Trojan Horse. Let me explain what that means, because your first thought is going to say, well, that's what's going on here in America. But look, folks, this was a planning foreign relations committee. Okay, they're letting you know what they're doing with their business dealings. When you start buying up companies throughout these different places with people that are aligned with America or other Western-backed groups, you therefore have the major effect of influencing their economy and starting all sorts of chaos just by doing that alone. So when you step back and you look at all this rampant chaos going on with the administration, and you look, scope out and consider this, all of a sudden this starts making sense. Because that's exactly what they're doing. Okay, how many real estate deals are going on over in Arabia, well, we already know that he had dealings with Mikhail Saakashvili, which they still to this day play that narrative off as if Russia came in there and did something bad, even though every investigation from reliable news sources and ones on the ground, including BBC, state emphatically that Saakashvili fired the first shots, he committed a false flag attack to justify it, and he is a war criminal. And we have that video that we happened to make back in 2012 where all of a sudden Trump for Georgia's sitting there and he's, you know, patting Mikhail Saakashvili on the back. Okay, what did they do here with the Ukraine? Well, folks, let's consider what happened with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Okay, um, a man by the name of Brzezinski with his grand uh, chessboard strategy. This is a book that you can actually get your hands on as far as that uh, chessboard strategy itself, and read. Because, you see, what they did there in Russia is they intentionally baited Russia to come in and start going into Afghanistan. While they're doing this, of course, that's when they started training the Mujahideen. Western-backed coalitions in their fighting, and it became real apparent the moment they said, ah, we're not going to hide this anymore, and all of a sudden, uh, Mujahideen is sitting there with American Stinger, uh, you know, over-the-shoulder rocket launchers that are basically heat-seeking and take the helicopters down. This is the same tactic that this Brzezinski tactic where they goaded Russia to come across that line. They did the same thing in the Ukraine. And again, folks, you can look at the actual investigations from reliable news sources, including BBC again, that show actually what did transpire in the Ukraine. And the narrative, as opposed to what they keep telling us here in the West, they keep saying that Russia took over Ukraine, that Russia took over Georgia. Well, the facts don't line up with the narrative. And when that happens, you need to step back and ask yourself why. So why is it that they're rattling because they are rattling sabers with China, something fierce. We've known this for quite some time. Back in, I believe it was 2007, that's when Hillary Clinton stood up and slammed the gauntlet down and pretty much let China know, you're next. So all of a sudden, we've got people high up in this administration that are doing what? 
They're solidifying major business deals inside of China. We have Eric Prince with his entire empire. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, folks, but right now, as far as a standing army goes in the world, uh, that's the most powerful one out there. And they have mercenaries coming in from everywhere. And where's he located? He's in China to hold off the Islamic attacks. But what's been happening, too, at the same time, we know full well that he's been whispering in Trump's ears, this is common knowledge at this point in time. This brings us back around to Afghanistan. There is so much going on here with this Afghanistan situation alone, it is utterly ridiculous. You know, myself here, I don't know. It was quite some time that I spent in ancient history. You know, I've had to get up to date going from the last two, three, four, five hundred years within a matter of less than two months. But when you know your ancient history and you can sit back and look at this through that perspective, and even I've got a couple of different books now on top of it where two uh, very good journalists, one who was on the ground seeing everything with his own eyes, interviewed all the key people about every conflict we've had here since the time he started reporting. Now, as he stated, he goes, journalists, you guys need to carry around a history book because if you don't, you can't report the story properly. And that's true. Because what are these key pieces, at least in my corner, that I had missed concerning what's happening here with Afghanistan? Because this actually starts tying into all kinds of other things. We had the Mujahideen, which did what they did, of course. America came out. After Russia was defeated, even though they wanted the Mujahideen were convinced they beat him, the United States was convinced that they beat Russia. But the problem was, is Russia's system had really gone to the stage of corruption where it was falling apart from the inside out. And that's the facts, folks. So this, you know, so we had this situation where the Mujahideen, they broke off into varied warlords throughout Afghanistan. You know, of course, we still had this situation with bin Laden, you know, the Islamists and so forth. But what's happening here as far as Afghanistan is concerned? Because there's actually a very interesting string of dots that if they're not connected, this doesn't really make sense. Because you have the Wahhabi-aligned uh, Pan-Arab nations. Uh, that's one reference they use to explain the nationality that rose up when they started breaking off the British yoke. And, you know, of course, we get the various Arabian Gulf nation coalitions that we've seen come together full force at this point in time. And we have them funneling through the mosques coming into India. You had this Wahhabist that had been brought into this Islamist ideology, which let me explain how the whole card was played with the United States knew that they could use the Mujahideen to commit jihad against the infidel. You see, yes, the United States was the ones that set this in motion. They followed the lead of Germany. This happened in World War I as well. They realized they could use these people in such a way. But what they pointed out is, hey, these people are atheists. Well, if you actually know what the Quran says as opposed to what they want to tell you it says, that makes perfect sense because 
They do three people that are the people of the book that aren't to be touched, the Jews, the Christians. And then for some weird reason, they add the Sabians in. And we've talked about Yemen and Sheba in the past. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I would advise going back and finding that show we did. It's here on the End Time Tribune. So we have all of this. They move into these mosques in India. Then they move over and get pushed in through Pakistan. And this is the Taliban, folks, that I'm explaining here. Pakistan is funneling these various groups, which are known as the Taliban, through there under the headship of the ISI, which is the Intelligence Bureau for uh, Pakistan. And then you get inside of Afghanistan and you get up to people on the ground interviewing the very Taliban members and you realize we have Afghanis, we've got Pakistanis, and of course we've got some Arabic folks in this mix. But really peculiar Asian folks in this mix. And the guy really didn't quite answer when asked, are you a Uyghur or are you... Chinese, but you've got this coalition almost of mercenaries within the Taliban, and they had been funneling this through a Western-backed ally, Pakistan, which, mind you, on top of it, they also knew that they were hiding Osama bin Laden the entire time, and yet here's where the thing with the war in uh, Afghanistan really doesn't make sense when we move forward to the... um, well, the mess that's still going on there as we speak. They showed up in there, and it was not very long before Taliban was taken care of. On top of it, Taliban was like, hey, we will hand you bin Laden. And they said, no, no, no. So what in the world was going on in Afghanistan? Why... Oh, that's right, those poppy fields. Do we know that there was fighting there? Most definitely. There was definitely people fighting on the ground there, but the question is, is how much of this was a action and a reaction? I mean, because, folks, it's like common knowledge now that we've gone in, we're dropping bombs all over the place, drone strikes, um, which is preemptive because, you know, we don't have to prove that these people have done anything wrong if we think they're going to do something wrong we're going to hit them with a drone strike we know beyond any shadow of a doubt they've been going through killing civilians all over the place throughout all these different uh, theaters of war that we have going on at this very moment and yes we've had deaths here in these western nations folks and don't get me wrong any death any loss of human life by any means is not good We need to remember, though, going hand-in-hand with this, the amount of casualties, of civilian casualties that is happening all throughout these theaters of war is absolutely unbelievable. And we keep getting reports on a daily basis that, for instance, we've got this stuff going on in Syria. And as they're doing their no-fly zones, they're carting people out of there. We're in there dropping bombs on the civilians. They keep reporting what's happening here in Iraq Um, with the battle for Mosul and moving into these other areas to remove ISIS. Well, the same thing is happening. They're killing civilians. We had reports of white phosphorus rounds that came out. I saw it when it happened, everybody. I actually saw it 
live right as the video was released when the white phosphorus rounds were used there. And uh, Kurdistan's news source reported on it. So, you know, the thing is, is I already knew that that's not the first time we've used white phosphorus. And as most people on one side of the fence, they automatically went, well, now, you know, this administration is doing this. No, folks, this has been going on for a long time. They've been doing this all over the place. There's charges being brought up from the Yugoslavian War when they broke that up and reallotted all those different nations throughout the Balkans that are being brought up about depleted uranium being used, about all kinds of war crimes that were committed by Western-backed coalitions folks. White phosphorus being used is not new, nor are any of these other things. So we have this circumstance here with this Taliban reemergence. This week, we announced that we are now committing a very large number of troops to go back into Afghanistan, not even including the NATO forces, but let us not forget what Eric Prince said a few weeks back. Okay, folks, they already have his mercenary groups in there, and whatever blanket name they're under, be it Frontier Services or the old name, Academi or Blackwater, it does not matter. There are so many names There are so many branches, and you can look at the financial records alone, and it's very eye-opening to see how broad his uh, mercenary groups really go. So we've got absolute pandemonium in Afghanistan. But when you trace that trail and realize they're coming out of, well, they're coming straight through the Arabians, and we just, the United States just went in there, armed them to the teeth. They're funneling in through India, Pakistan, which is being supported by the West until, uh-oh, the Shanghai Cooperation just made Pakistan and India member states. And if you attack anybody in that coalition, they are sworn to protect everybody else in it. Is this serious? China already put warships down by that area, folks. Oh, it's serious, all right. They already stated, uh, guys, you need to start breaking away from the United States. So what is uh, Tillerson announced and many of the other Pentagon officials and various generals? Well, now, Pakistan, you're on our hit list. Well, wait a minute. You see, because Pakistan's been backed by the West continually throughout all of this, and all of a sudden... Once they joined that Shanghai group, guess what happened? We have trouble. But, you know, this is where things really begin to unravel because, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, once you have those identities of those ten kings, you have to start asking yourself some serious questions. Because remember, Persia's in there, and Shibanti, Dan, oh my gosh, folks. The complexities of that reality are enough to blow your mind. But keep in mind that these places I brought up, Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, you don't think that those groups are all in this area? So let us consider what we had happen in Iran last week. 
we did have a news story that came out that confirmed everything I had stated with the uh, MEK coalition, which is that group that's, you know, rallied around Cyrus the Great, um, which I've pointed out time and time again, folks, that's the Assyrian. We found those images that are on the uh, piece that I reported from, I believe it was last week, those images we found in 2010, and you can see it playing out in real time. So, rather interesting because it came out into the light that they were also responsible for that attack that happened in Iran. And this guy, this guy details it, and one of them I put up here quickly just a link to on the blog, the American Thinker, where he kind of, well, let us not go there. But nonetheless, he puts in, why is Iran resorted to such obvious lies, accusing the U.S., Saudi Arabia, and the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, M.E.K., of staging this terrorist attack. So this is where we need to go back in time. You know, folks, because I really wonder how many people have actually reconsidered what happened with this Iranian nuclear deal. Are you certain you've got all the facts? No, really. Or is there something else going on here? When we had our first initial intelligence that came forward that went into the United States, it was this uh, PMOI-MEK that brought forward the intel. And yet they were handed that intel by somebody else used as a proxy. The Mossad handed them that intel. They brought this in the United States. All of a sudden, all this rhetoric starts up on a continual basis here. This went on for several years, folks, concerning Israel building our, whoa, yeah, that's another topic. Iran building nuclear weapons, this whole thing kept going on and on and on throughout the United States. There was a little key player that somehow everybody here, at least, I know I wasn't aware of this, and I caught this in a documentary on, I believe it's called Zero Hour, something along those lines. Again, I've got a link to it in my blog where you can go in and look at it. It was on, I believe, Showtime. I'm talking about the Stuxnet virus. But they brought up this name, this Pakistani. And something told me I needed to go look into this. Sure enough, well, he's pretty important, folks. guy uh, in Pakistan is named Abdul Qadir Khan. And we've had, you know, we've had, and I would take note of this because we've had it happening again that Iran is in the background fueling North Korea's nuclear program. And you see they brought that narrative back in when, all right, look, it's Abdul Qadir Khan was out wheeling and dealing, handing over plans for nuclear weapons, technology, the different ways of doing this, because he's the guy that actually got Pakistan to have nuclear weapons. He was out making deals behind the scene, scenes. He's tied in with all kinds of big ways. Then on top of it, he admitted in front of everybody what he was doing. And of course, the stated thing is that Iran also got those plans, even though they went back and looked at the facts of the matter on this one, and they found out that they didn't take them. So he tried to put that in their hands, but 
you find out he'd been wheeling and dealing with all these troublemakers we're having problems with now, handing everything over to North Korea. So when this happens, the United States just looked the other way. Why? Because they were backing this coalition in Pakistan. And then all of a sudden there was a, a strange anomaly of events that happened. And, you know, all of a sudden it looked like he was cleared, even though he wasn't. America was happy. So we have this one little strange key player in this equation who's the reality that was backed by the Western coalition as he went around and handed designs for nuclear weapons into their hands. And now they're back to doing the same old saber-rattling narrative. Does everybody not forget what happened after World War I as the British came in and pretty much subdued Iran, set up all their little oil fields so they could have access to that? Move forward to World War II, the same thing happened. They took control of the oil fields, put in Western-backed people that would, you know, work well with them. But then in 53, when we had to stage at CIA coup, you see this guy was like, well, we want our oil back. Nope, that can't happen. CIA, this is public record now. Everything's been released concerning this. Actually, the whole file has been declassified, as a matter of fact, within the last few weeks. Okay, so they get rid of this guy. Throw in Pavlov. And then we had problems there. Then Ayatollah Khomeini comes in, obviously pretty ticked off about the whole circumstance, and they gain control, bringing in a caliphate, which is an Islamic empire, inside of Iran. No longer does the West have control. Islamic Revolutionary Guard, all the way across the board. You see, they want revenge on America because of what? They have committed. There's details that I don't understand fully yet concerning the target they put over Israel. When you begin to look at the picture as a whole, you begin to put the facts together, though you realize that there's actually, like I said, revolution, counter-revolution, action, reaction. If we don't have our history straight, we can't make sense of this. And that takes a lot of very hard work realize what's happening here because all these details kind of go into another trail you know right now they with the narrative of fake news and you know they'll put conspiracy theorists in there and you know I'm sorry I hate to be the bearer of bad news but most of these conspiracy theorists that are running around out there they ain't got a clue so of course they got put into a corner You see, I work with actual documentation that you can get your hands on, things that have been stated out of various politicians' mouths, declassified um, files, intelligence files that have been brought forward. I don't have to make anything up. So we're not dealing with a theory any longer. So let us discuss September 11th. Folks, there's a very interesting little documentary I watched this week, two-parter. As the majority of this actually dealt with the FBI agents that were investigating how it is that these groups through the Mujahideen were being funneled into a certain mosque out in Boston. I believe it's Boston. It was either that or it was somewhere in New York off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly. 
But they detail how they're being funneled through there. But then you had uh, Sadat, who was murdered by the Muslim Brotherhood there in Egypt, and that was after a deal was signed with Israel on top of it. So obviously that flared up tensions. But they bring together all the uh, Muslim Brotherhood folks that were responsible for this. You can see them nicely fenced off in this little area. They were able to go through and identify all of them, FBI agents, the whole nine yards. And they, they started asking questions because magically they're inside of America. They tried to find out what in the heck they were doing here, and they found out that the, you needed clearance that was so high that it was over their heads. They're going, what in the world are these guys doing here with very high-level security clearance? This is out of the mouths of FBI agents, folks. Okay, this is out of the mouth of one of the people that was a security advisor under Bush. They knew something was wrong. Seriously wrong. We had this Ali Mohammed that was also part of coming through the Mujahideen group that made its way into America. You know, you got this, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood thing going on, etc. Lo and behold, during the uh, battles against Russia and the Mujahideen, well, he pops along into various parts in the American military, makes it up to, I believe it was a colonel, then shows up over there in Afghanistan, decked out fully in his American uniform, which, by the way, that was a already war crime as is. He was out of the same group of people. He's in our military. He's over there guiding the Mujahideen. And who put him there? So as the narrative flowed forward, they began to find out more details. And look, folks, they emphatically let you know something stunk the entire way. We're not dealing with conspiracy theory any longer. We're getting testimony from people that are working in the government that knew something was seriously wrong. So let me break it down for you, folks. So what these people were saying, the intelligence communities knew full well what they were doing bringing these people in here. The airport where they were flying all their planes, well, it turns out it was kind of peculiar learning to fly those planes because, well, that airport had been used by the CIA continually to make their moves down into South America and bringing drugs in there and et cetera on down the line. Yes, more turmoil, revolution, counter-revolution. That's what they did. So we got this whole interesting little thing going on, and all of a sudden they were trained at a CIA base. Look, when you have sworn testimony of government officials saying, look, they brought people in on our soil to wage war on us. FBI agents, a security advisor under Bush. Folks, you better wake up. You better start looking at the facts. This is no longer what they would like to title a conspiracy. Not when you have backed testimony from their own mouths. This has gone beyond being a conspiracy, folks. So if you're going to sit here and get involved and confused and caught up in the Western narrative, be mindful of the distractions and the entertainment you're keeping your eye on. Because right now as we speak, this is being justified to slaughter millions of civilians all over the world. And most people here 
minds, at least within the neocon and the old dominionist movement, they've fallen for the trap. The commies, the Islamic people, they're all bad. Everybody's evil but us. Wake up. And look, just like John the Baptist said, folks, things have gotten so serious here, it's ridiculous. And I couldn't even cover it if I tried. Wake up. Just like John the Baptist stated, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Folks, this thing is turning forward, and it's coming. And trust me, I want as many people as possible throughout the entire world being on the right side of this. I'm going to stop there and give the last, because we usually get about three minutes in overdrive, and give that over to you guys. Yeah, Brian, it it makes me think of that video. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to YouTube, and you can see an Apache helicopter. There's a farmer. He pulls up to his field. His teenage son runs out to put the stakes down. You run out there and put the stakes so that his dad will know where to make the radial turn with the tractor. Well, they got the 16-year-old first with 30-millimeter rounds. Then they turn it on his dad. Nobody goes to jail. Have it on the, you know, Apache helicopter feed, you know. <laughs> I don't know how it gets to YouTube. I mean, this is this is live fire missions. Ambulance going down the street, picks up his dude, throws him in. They light it up like a firecracker. Clinton, uh, your closing comments, please, and uh, be sure to give out your websites and all that stuff, your contact information. But your uh, closing thoughts there, Clinton. Yeah, I want to kind of add on something that both, uh, you know, Matthew and Brian have said. Um, And as we study and as we see everything unfolding, it becomes more and more apparent. It's more and more important that we do our part. And what I mean by that is, is scripture says that we are supposed to let our light shine, that we are to be a light in this world. And if we are not ready to let that light shine now, then there may not be another time. There may not be the ability to say, I'll do it next time, or I'll do it in a week or whatever. The way that everything is unfolding, it's happening so quickly And it's happening in ways that we can't even imagine, you know, and and I I just think it's, it's very important to make sure spiritually we're ready um, and and make sure that our relationship with Christ is, is there. Um, So that way we have no issues going forward with everything. Now, the other thing, you know, I mean, please, you know, check out, um, everything um, that's coming out, you know, on our Twitter feeds, um, you know, you can find me at ClintonCoWatch.com as well, where the diligent watchman is present. And uh, we try to come out with best everything that we can. Um, but, uh, you know, everyone stay focused. And as, as things develop, you know, we're, we'll be here to help explain it. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can, of course, catch Brian. Uh, just uh, look up Overt Attention Show. Uh, dot com. He's also on Twitter under that same handle. You all know how to get a hold of me. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when the rubber hits the road, it's going to happen just like this. Genesis chapter 18. God himself comes down and has a look-see. And at that point in time, your relationship with him is going to be characterized one of two ways. That of a relationship of reconciliation or that of a relationship of rebellion. That, of course, is entirely up to you and nobody else. It is our prayers that you heed the Holy Spirit's weighing upon your conscience. You know, the riddle was really always as simple as what he told Cain. Do what is right and all will go well. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.